coming up on this episode of the MD and Chef Team Show. With a wife and two daughters. And uh, I remember my beautiful wife kind of looking at me one day and she didn't say anything, but I could see the look in her eyes like, oh my gosh, what's happening to my guy? <laughs> and, and I had to take a look at myself in the mirror. You know, it was that point of life where the old saying is, you know, did you look at yourself in the mirror and what did you see? Mm-hmm. Well, I was pretty unhappy with what I saw. So that kind of started my process of going, okay, I need to be looking at, I don't want to die young. You know, is this just me? Is this all that I'm going to have? So that really started the process of, okay, let's dive into this and see if there's things that I can do to change this family tree and for generations. Welcome to the show from the The MD MD and Chef Team. Team. I'm Dr. Isabel, medical doctor here at the MD and Chef Team. And who are you? I'm Chef Michael, culinary nutrition expert. I'm the chef part of the team. And what are we going to talk about, babe? Now, I can say that because he's my husband. (laughs) Yes. Well, then we'll be talking about marriage, relationships, parenting, intimacy. We'll talk about mindsets of success, overcoming depression, anxiety. I'll be getting into functional nutrition, recipes and tips from the kitchen. And we're going to both get into how to live a long, healthy, vibrant life. Yes, I love it. Our mission is to help you prevent and reverse disease and give you hope in the process. Oh, oh, yeah, we, we like, like to have fun, fun too. <laughs> so let's, let's get, get on, on with the show. In the traditional medical sense, they want to put us into this box that, well, if my mom had cancer, then I'll probably die of cancer. If my dad had type 2 diabetes, you know, I'm going to have those same type of aspects, the same types of things going on in me. I'm going to, this guy's going to die young. And you know, because it's those hereditary genes that he's got. So, yeah, we're going to base everything that around that. Because what it, I started doing was I started getting myself in the best health of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm still filling out these forms. And they're looking at me like, well, this guy's about to die. He's now in his 50s and into his 60s. And he, oh, he's probably just going to die soon. I'm thinking, well, wait a second. I'm in better health now than I was in my 30s. Right. So what are you trying to do? You know, what box are you trying to fit me into here? You know? And so. What kind of tipped me off a little bit was back in my 40s, when I was still in my chefing days and working 70 plus hours a week. I mean, I do it now differently. Uh, being the corporate chef, 70 plus hours a week, uh, I was becoming the fat, grumpy old chef very quickly mm-hmm. with a wife and two daughters. And uh, I remember my beautiful wife kind of looking at me one day and she didn't say anything, but I could see the look in her eyes like, oh, my gosh, what's happening to my guy? <laughs> and, and I had to take a look at myself in the mirror. You know, it was that point of life where the old saying is, you know, did you look at yourself in the mirror and what did you see? Mm-hmm. Well, I was pretty unhappy with what I saw. So that kind of started my process of going, OK, I need to be looking at I don't want to die young. You know, is this just me? Is this all that I'm going to have? So that really started the process of, okay, let's dive into this and see if there's things that I can do to change this family tree and for generations. Right. Well, I I do have a story about that. I I might've told you when we met, but um, when I was in my twenties, I went to the doctor and she said to me, now it's not a question of if you're going to get cancer, it's a question of when. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I I think I took the opposite approach to you and I went, no way, no lady, you're wrong. I'm not listening. I was so angry. It didn't, I I knew that, no, I knew that wasn't. Now, most of the people in my family are in their nineties, but um, if you look at my tree, it's just not exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so today I want to get into that to understand. I mean, Isabel and I uh, work with some people, and it's a group called Becoming the CEO of Your Health. Right. And it's really about us being the boss of our own personal health, not giving it up to others out there who tell us, well, this is just what you're going to be. Exactly. Before we get into a lot of it, I do want to give you a couple, uh, at least one amazing story. And there's so many we could get into, but just for time for today. Th- this is the example of how we can change our family for generations. Mm-hmm. About seven years ago, um, a lady, she's 40, she was 47 at the time, a uh, great friend of ours. However, at the time, she hadn't shared with us what was going on. We, we saw some stuff, but she didn't, she didn't reach out. But what happened was she went to the doctor to get a checkup for her son, who at the time, I think he might have been around maybe 10 to 12, something like that. And he was becoming very obese. So she wanted to get him checked out to see what was going on. Well, while she was there, they said, well, let's do a health check on you. Uh-oh. <laughs> she was, well... Uh, at 47, she had three children, two still at home. Uh, she was a smoker. She was obese. And she had what's called a hemoglobin A1C of 50. Now, to keep that simple is that that is a testing that you do for prediabetes and type 2 diabetes, not type 1, but lifestyle diabetes where you develop it over time. Mm-hmm. And 50, uh, well, in traditional medicine, they'll call you pre-diabetic at like 42 on up. In what's called functional medicine, we have a little lower, excuse me, we have a little lower than that. It's more about 40. Well, she was at 50. And that's extremely high. So basically, the doctor said, well, you have type 2 diabetes. We need to look at getting you on an insulin program and continuing on the way you are and smoking and being this obese, you're probably looking at having a, a heart attack or a stroke within the next five years and possibly die. That was her diagnosis, prognosis. Well, I guess that shook her tree pretty good because we got a phone call. Uh, I know you guys are kind of working with people. Can you help me? Uh, yes, we can. Now there is work to do. And, but she, here's the key with this one. Well, I'll call her Mary just for you know, her namesake. Mary was teachable and she was motivated right. because her motivation was I've got two children at home. I already see my son who's 10 or 12 heading down the same track. Her family had a history of not type 1 diabetes, but people stepping into lifestyle disease of type 2 diabetes. And she kind of put up her hand and said, no, that's it. I'm going to be the change. So um, working with her uh, over, well, worked with her for about 18 months, and then she was able to run on her own. Mm -hmm. But over 12 months, she went from that level of 50 down to a 34. And once you get in that kind of mid to low 30s, I mean, Basically, what happened after a year when she went to the doctor and they saw these readings, uh, and plus in that 12 months, she lost 45 kgs, which is about 99 pounds. She went from a size 28 to a size 12. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As a woman, think of that one, 28 to a 12 in a year. Uh, And she also quit smoking. And when she went back to it, they're just like, you know, the mouth just dropped like, "Uh, who are you? Mary? Is that Mary? I mean really? That's you. But, and, and she was just told, okay, go away. Maybe come back in a couple of years for a checkup, but you know, there's nothing, you know, I don't know what happened, but you're good to go. Well, what happened was she reversed it. Now, what I love about that is that what Mary did was she's now got seven grandchildren. Um, she became the health coach of her family. So she broke that whole chain of generational lifestyle disease where now she's got her kids 
on the right type of healthy eating lifestyle and, and exercise and strong mental health. Was it easy? Absolutely not. It took her about two to three months to change her habits because it was the changing of the habits that got her going and made that, that switch. She did a few things. She changed her habits. She got a coach. And then she made a commitment to, I am the change and, and made that happen. And that's, I mean, I, I even get, I get goosebumps just thinking about that, how that generational change, what she's done for that family and for her kids and the grandchildren. I mean, she's the one that made that change. That is so powerful. So yes. when, when, when she was diagnosed, did she have the grandchildren or were, were her children young? Uh, she had one child who wasn't at home, uh, still young, like uh, I think maybe around 20. But she had a daughter that was, um, I mean, I'm just thinking of the ages because she's, this is seven years ago. And by the way, she's still incredibly healthy and vibrant and bouncing off the walls and doing life and everything. So it wasn't like, you know, she lost it all. And then two years later, now she's back in diabetes. Now, seven years later, just rocking the world. Um, so yeah, two kids were young and one had just come out of high school. And, but now she's seven years later, she's got, uh, seven, uh, grandchildren and yeah, and just loving life, you know, that's, and, we, and we've got other, you know, others like that, even with what's called cognitive decline, Alzheimer's people that we're working with, who, uh, with what's the, Dr. Dale Bredesen, who wrote the book, uh, the end of Alzheimer's. He's had his, his team has created the Bredesen recode protocol, reversing Alzheimer's family genes, family traits, there, reversing that. I mean, the stories are incredible how people are changing that hereditary line. And it's just so powerful what you can do to change that for generations. And, and for me, that's what I'm looking to do for my family. I mean, that's what I'm doing for my family. I mean, I don't want, I have two daughters. I don't want them to automatically think, oh, well, we've got cancer and diabetes in our family tree. So I get, and you know, my grandparents died young, so I'm just going to die young. I, I don't, I'm, I want to blow up that thought process in them. It's not about me. It's where it goes in my legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of people who, who think that that are surprised when they surpass their parents' death age. So let's say my mom died at 65. Um, I might worry about di- dying at by 65 and then be surprised that I made it beyond that, which is a lot of wasted energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then once you make it, well, oh, I'm at 66. Okay, well, I've made it. So I guess that's me. What do I do? What do I do now? <laughs> now what do I do now? What's my goal now? <laughs> I'm, uh, I need to reset that. So today I want to—I just—I want to get into what's called uh, very briefly epigenetics. And epigenetics is the the study of the the bio the body organisms or the body mechanisms that can switch the genes on and off in our body. Now we've all heard of DNA, right. and but we and we all have DNA. We've inherited DNA from our family tree, family line—not just our parents, grandparents. We've all inherited DNA. Well, in that DNA, there's gene sequences. And there's, you know, the tens of thousands of different sequences, and we all have those. But the thing, a big point I want to get across today is that we have the opportunity to turn off those genes, have them stay suppressed, or they could be turned on to a point where they come out and they become part of us again. You know, there's, they're not suppressed. So that immune system, and what you're talking about here in the summit, that immune system is really our strength to have those genes turned on and off. And there's ways that we can do that. Because for me, okay, um, yes, the fact is I've inherited in my DNA some bad genes. They're there. It's part of it. I've also inherited good genes. You know, I mean, there's great things I've got from my parents. You know, I mean, you know, we, we all have our color eyes and our color hair and our body, the way it's shaped and formed and different nuances about us as individuals. But there are some, some baddies in there, too. 
And so our immune system allows us to let that sit there, the, the bad one suppressed, or it can be turned on. And today I want to talk about the nutritional point of it, because we can get into all the many factors of it. Uh, there's environmental factors, there's toxins. Um, just a quickie, you know, before I came on, it was something that I hadn't necessarily uh, talked about today with nutrition, but I thought it's a valid, valid point. I want to make sure that everybody gets this and hears this, is our skin is our largest body organ. Yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> it covers us everywhere. But yet we don't think about taking care of our skin uh, as far as what's going on it. What, you know, what is it being? Because everything that goes on our skin, and, then, and I can tell you, this only hit us a couple of years ago for Isabel and I, is everything that's going on our skin will soak through and seep through and go into our blood system and into our body systems. And so just, I'm not going to get into all the details of all the different things, but it's like, perfumes, fragrances, body lotions, body oils, uh, anything we could be rubbing on using. I mean, you've probably heard of uh, aluminum-free or, as we say down under, aluminium-free deodorants. <laughs> and, you know, so where did that all come from? Understanding that these toxins do go into our body and affect us, and they affect us in a bad way. They can allow our immune system to be suppressed. And so that's just an area that's a, that's a big tip out there, just if you're not thinking of your skin as the big body organ and what am I putting on, what am I doing? Just take a look at that. You know, what, what things am I using? What products am I using? Is it, you know, take a look at the ingredient list. Is there a bunch of stuff on there? Oh my gosh, do I want all that going in me? Am I spraying all that stuff on myself? Uh, that's going in to our brain and to our body. And as Dr. Isabel will talk about our gut health. Right. One of those. I, um, you know, I got into being, having a more holistic lifestyle at the age of 15 and definitely by 25, but nothing organic has ever been in or not nothing that wasn't organic has ever been put on my face or my skin. So I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm one of those people. I, I caught it early. I believed it my entire life. And I do believe at 53, I am reaping the benefits of this. Yeah. Look at your skin. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always say to my grandparents that I, you know, but I have worked. Yeah. And it, it's very simple. When I owned a spa, I would, I would taste all the products in front of my employees and say, if I'm not willing to put it in my mouth, I'm not willing to put it on my face. So yeah. I agree with you on that. Absolutely. Well, you, I, I got to hand it to you. You are decades ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's probably only been over the last 15 years that we have kind of delved in, but that's, you know, whenever it's just that for us, we hit that age where both of us as career people, we realized that our health was on the decline. And we had to take that hard look at ourselves. So congratulations to you for doing that for a young age, because that's good stuff. Yeah. But hey, whatever. That's that's what we're looking to do. Best thing so, to do something is 10 years ago, right? But the second best time to do something is today. So. Do it today. Get started today. Yes. So what, what I use as an analogy, because we can get into all the, the um, technical and biological details of epigenetics and the immune system and all that, but I like to keep things simple because, you know, I'm sure we got a broad spectrum of people listening. And uh, but for most of us, if we could just because one of the things that my, one of the strengths of my beautiful wife, Isabel, as is a medical doctor, is people always say, to her, oh, I can actually understand what she's saying. I get it. She keeps it simple. And that's what she loves to do is keep it simple. So I'm going to keep it simple. You know, what I like to relate with the immune system is and is whether you like armies or not armies. I mean, armies are just something in the world we've all heard of. But just, uh, you know, like a, I'm going to use that as an analogy in our immune system is our good army. We all have a natural immune system, and that's our good army. And that good army there is to fight the bad attacks. We all have, we're all under constant attack every day from environmental factors, toxins, 
foods, drinks, everything going into us, everything applied on us, everything around us, the fumes we smell, we're under constant attack. And however, with, with our natural immune system, that's our good army. So when that good army is strong, well, it'll, it'll win. It wins the daily battle. But when that army, that um, natural immune system starts to become suppressed or the bad army is more fed, then it starts to win. And all of a sudden, our body starts to get what's called inflammation. That's when, all, oh, my knee, all of a sudden I've got arthritis or, oh, I'm, I'm starting to feel bad about this or this isn't working or I'm having pains. And, you know, so what I want to talk about today is we want to feed the good army. We want to feed the good, we want to feed our immune system to keep it strong because it's going to be under attack every day. That's just life. It's the way it is. But we want to starve the bad army. We want to start. We don't want to give any ammo to the bad guys because they're there anyway. So let's not add to it. So from a food point of view, I want to talk about the let's talk about the foods to avoid first. You know, the stuff that's out there. So we'll hit on a few of the foods to avoid. Um, sugar. Well, we've all heard about sugar. <laughs> I was going to say, can I guess the first one? <laughs> yeah. Because I knew that was an easy well, one. I should, have, I should have kind of mixed it up a little bit so you couldn't have guessed. All right, let me go back. Let's go with another one first. <laughs> uh, but, then, well, that's the one we've just kind of all heard of. And, you know, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. But what happens with us is mo most people come to us and say, but, yeah, I don't put sugar in anything. But then I have them start looking at their pantry, their cupboard, whatever you want to call it, and looking at what's in there, looking at what's in the fridge, looking at the bottles, looking at the cans, the packages, and looking at the ingredients saying, oh, well, you don't need to add it because it's already been added for you. Now, unless you're just totally 100% consuming nature all day long, you know, carrots, you know, vegetables, fruits, whatever types of proteins you like to have, you know, good, good lean proteins, somebody's added, the food industry is going to be adding it in. So even when you think you're not putting any in, there's already some coming in. But the thing about sugar to understand is, and what, like I said, I want to keep this simple, is just two tablespoons of sugar. Just imagine two tablespoons of sugar. That can suppress, suppress your immune system for up to five hours. So the thing is, if you have a very high sugary diet that you're having every day, you're having a lot, you know, you're putting a teaspoon or two in your coffee, and then you're putting some on your cereal or you're putting some in somewhere else or you're having a lot of bottled or canned things that have sugar added to it. Well, you pretty much are suppressing your immune system almost all day long. And so that's giving that's kind of lowering the bar on the good army and allowing, you know, like I said, we want to keep this one army strong. And now you are not starving the bad army. You're actually giving it ammunition because you're pushing, you're suppressing your immune system. And so the, that's really the bottom line about sugar is it has the ability to suppress our immune system. And that is just what we don't want to be doing. Right. And, and when you say sugar, are you talking refined sugar? Are you talking about fruit sugars that are in your fruit? Or Yeah, I'm talking about um, what's called the high fructose corn syrup type stuff. I'm talking about the, the raw sugars. I'm, I'm talking about the, you know, the white sugar and those types of things. I mean, as an example, Isabel and I will have some Manuka honey. We live in New Zealand, which Manuka honey flows in the rivers and all, you know, not quite, but, you know, when people come here, they say, oh my gosh, it's Manuka honey all over. You know, we're fortunate to have that. And that's beautiful, raw, unpasteurized honey. Now, yes, there's a sugar content of that. It's less as far, you know, as far as just a normal white granulated sugar. However, 
we still can't have a half a cup of that every day, you know, you know, maybe a, a teaspoon of that. You know, we will recommend that to people who are looking to come off of sugar and to reduce it, but to break it down slowly, we'll use some Anuka honey. But understanding that, yes, there are different levels. However, when you look at what's being put into products, it's usually high fructose corn syrup and just raw refined sugar. And so that's really what I'm talking about with that. They will, if you, again, it's again, moderation, even if you're using honey, maple syrup, those things, I mean, if you're adding, 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 adding on top of it, then you are going to get to a point where that will suppress your immune system. So it's you know, a little bit of moderation there as far as that goes. But for us, uh, and understand the fact that even uh, raw fruits, fruits have different levels of sugar content. Uh, you know, there's what's called the GI or uh, you know, glycemic index, which level, uh, measures the levels of sugars. Things like berries, apples, kiwi fruit, they have a low GI. And then the tropical fruits, bananas, uh, pineapples, those types of things, they have a high GI. Their sugar content is much higher. So is it okay to have a banana? Sure. Ten a day? Oh, that's really kind of, now you've got a lot of natural sugars coming in. It becomes a little bit too much, you know, because the body gets to a point where it can't handle it anymore. So you still have to be looking at a balance in all those areas. And that's the key with, with sugar is just understanding that it does have the ability to suppress the immune system. And that's not what we want to do. Right. So next two I want to uh, talk about to avoid, and this is, we could do, and the next two, we could do a summit on each one. Actually, every one of these, you could do a full summit on these, and there are summits on these. Yeah. One, is, one is gluten, which, you know, we could go on for a long time about that, and the other is dairy. Okay. Now, I, we live in New Zealand, which the dairy industry is the biggest industry here in New Zealand. And so it's very much to say so, but gluten and dairy. And let me, to keep this simple is I'm just going to use a story and the explanation is what um, a big tip and a challenge I would put out to everybody is we can all be walking around in a state of inflammation and not even know it. Meaning that we've gotten so used to a point in our body where our immune system is constantly fighting against inflammatory foods that we're putting in ourselves that we've just gotten used to it. And we live in kind of a, a state where we've got a little bit extra weight from being inflamed where we're, we're retaining water. Um, you know, we, we've gotten, our joints are kind of tight. We're arthritic. We have a little back pains in that, and we just kind of get used to it. So gluten and dairy in those two areas, my challenge would be if you've never done this, most people have never done this. You probably, you could have some advanced people who have, but I would say uh, eliminate them for 28 days. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, uh, pick, do them both or just pick one. But eliminate gluten, let's say, for 28 days. Eliminate dairy for 28 days. Then after the 28 days, see how you feel. How's life feeling? Not the first week because it takes your body some time to adjust. But after 28 days, see how you're feeling. And then put it back in for the next three to five days. Do you feel different? Is your body reacting to that? Because what you will find, most of us will have some kind of either mild reaction or severe reaction when we put it back in. And what we'll find is, oh, my gosh, I was walking around in a state of inflammation and I didn't even notice. Because for Isabel and I, doing this about five years ago, we were the so-called, I'm kind of gluten-free. I'm kind of dairy-free. Uh-huh. We were fooling ourselves. It's like being kind of pregnant which I wouldn't know about, but. (laughs) And so when we did this, 
for me personally, and then I came back and did uh, gluten, and you, you do them individually so you find out which one it is. But for me, when I reintroduced gluten, because I was, I had so much energy, I was feeling so good, I dropped a little weight, um, I felt toned, I had a lot more energy for my exercise, uh, my skin felt good, I just, man, I was just, I felt lit up, you know, from a great point of view. When I reintroduced it, oh my gosh, like my stomach, like blew out, you know, and, and started to get a belly going again. And, and I kind of went, oh, and the same thing happened to me with dairy. And so I realized, okay, well, I'm not, um, I'm not going to, I'm not having a severe reaction, but I'm having mild reactions. I'm sensitive to this. And I was walking around in a state of inflammation, not realizing it. So, you know, now I mean, I'm sugar-free, dairy-free, gluten-free, and because I just don't even mess with those. For me, I love the way I felt without it. You know, as opposed to having it. Now, for my beautiful wife, Isabel, what she found was the same thing with gluten. But for dairy, for her, she got brain fog. She reintroduced it. And when she had dairy, she found that she just kind of couldn't think as sharply and wasn't as focused. And as you can imagine, as a doctor and a, and a health coach, that's not good. Right. And so for her, she realized that she had that sensitivity to dairy. So my challenge is... To everyone out there, if you've never done this before, eliminate them for 28 days and then reintroduce it and find out, well, am I sensitive to this? Does it not affect me? It might not affect you. You know, I mean, we did it with coffee. We did it with alcohol. We did it with eggs. We did it with, you know, we did it with a whole bunch of things. And, you know, we have a 28 day elimination program that, you know, you can do that with. But it's so cool. to find. I mean, I, I get excited about it to find out because I would love for people to become the CEO of their health to find out what is affecting you. Why do you have knee pain? Because understanding the fact that what we, we usually don't understand is maybe I've got knee pain, but I've got knee pain because I've got inflammation from foods I'm having, or I've got poor gut health. I don't necessarily have a problem with my knee. Something else is going on, and that happens to be the weakest part of my body. When we have inflammation, it will attack the weakest part of our body. When that bad army is winning, it'll say, Ooh, oh, there's a weakness. We found it. We're going to hit that. And so that's why, you know, we, we need to find out, well, what's causing that from a, just getting the root cause, as we say. Yeah, I, I think it's I, I think it's really that part of, you know, there are so many people who say just eliminate, eliminate it, eliminate it, get rid of it. I haven't really heard anybody say test it. You know, yes. My daughter just came to visit. My daughter visited. I just, you know, had fun with the kid. Right. And, you know, a few days into it, I was like, well, why am I getting up later? Why is it harder to sleep? What's going on? And. So there was that reintroduction of things that I don't normally eat and I paid for it and I felt it and I realized I don't even want this. You know, she had a box of devil dogs in the house and I didn't have, I had one to just kind of test myself because I used to love them. It didn't mean anything to me after a while. And and that's what I want people to understand is that it doesn't have to be hard because once you're following it and you see how good you feel, you stop craving it. You know, your body doesn't, your body doesn't want it. And so I kind of took, had the devil dog as a test. And then I was so glad that I didn't want any more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, and that happened to us, I would say recent, well, you know, fairly recently, a few months ago where we just had a, a weekend away, Isabel and I took a little break, you know, and, and we had some fair amount of cheese in 24 hours, dairy cheese. Oh my gosh. It took us at least three, three days, probably five days for her to like, clear out. I mean, and we're okay. No, that's it. Can't do that. Cause you know, we, we like functioning yeah. and, and, you know, we just, so once you understand what it's doing to you and you allow it to clear out, um, I guess the biggie is that 
we can be walking around in a state of inflammation and not even know it. We were. We were walking around in a state of inflammation and didn't even know it. Felt pretty good. But we're probably running at maybe 70% of our health capacity. Looked good, kind of felt good, but it, was, it wasn't our optimal health. Right. And, and, and you're right. Testing is the key. I mean, it's not, I'm not telling everybody you just got to eliminate. We, we don't do that with everyone. You know, we're into testing. We need to find out individually what's affecting you because some people can handle alcohol. Some can't. Some can handle a little bit of gluten. Some can't. Uh, dairy, that's another one. And so it's, it's the same thing with sugars. Um, you know, we're not saying totally eliminate, just be careful with the amounts, but you need to test and see what's really hitting you because we're all sensitive to something. And so we need to find out. Otherwise, like I said, we're just walking around in a state of inflammation and you see it in people and they've got all these chronic things going on, chronic diseases and um, different thing, pains and that happening to the body. And we just, you know, let's get to the cause. Let's find out what's going on because the immune system is being compromised. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, now you've got me really, are, are there any other foods? Yeah, let's just, let's, let's hit on one more and then we'll, uh, we'll move on. Okay. Um, let's talk about mercury. Oh, mercury. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just those kind of metal toxins. Um, we'll talk about, let's talk about seafood. I mean, personally, we love seafood. I don't know. Do you like seafood? Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, our oceans and seas and waterways have become highly polluted. Uh, even here in this beautiful green New Zealand and uh, just lovely and pure and wonderful, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's running into the waterway. Well, I mean, you know, we all understand there's some runoffs and things. And even the oceans around here in the southern part of the world, um, the mercury levels are climbing throughout the world. And, and here's the thing I always say to people, you know, it, it, the, the saying has always been, you know, you are what you eat. But there's more than that again. It's, it's you are what you eat eats. Because what, you know, what is the fish eating? Where, what water are they swimming in? Because when you eat it, that's going into you. And so the mercury levels in the world, and again, we're working with people who are reversing cognitive decline and Alzheimer's and brain health, and mercury is one of the biggies that shows up, and metal toxins uh, massively affects the brain. So we really got to be careful. I think, and pretty sure in almost all countries of the world, you can go on the national fishery site, and you can look up the mercury levels of all the fish. And I know you can in the U.S. I'm pretty sure you can in all countries. We could do it here in New Zealand. And you really want to look at the mercury levels of all fish. It will be stated. It will give you high, medium, and low. But you, you, that's something you want to be looking at because if you are eating a lot of fish and seafood, um, that's something to check out because mercury is such a baddie for causing our gene mutation, really, turning having our genes go bad on us. Well, there's um, something that is so counterintuitive that I, I feel like nobody knows this, that the fish that are farmed actually have a higher mercury rate than fish that are wild. And I would never have thought that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, fresh is still better. But yeah. for reason, and I don't understand why farmed fish has, has to have any mercury. In it, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also, well, what are they feeding it to? I mean, what's the feed that they're feeding it? You know, where's the feed coming from? Because again, you could be getting the pollutants from the feed. I mean, are they are they feeding them some kind of a feed that's coming from a farm that's been sprayed? Mm -hmm. So you know, it's all you know, it's all looking at that. But on the flip side, with foods that heal and keep our army strong, so let's talk about fish. Well, we adhere to what's called SMASH. That's S M A S H. What that is is for salmon, yes. mackerel, <laughs> anchovies, sardines, and herring. 
salmon, mackerel, anchovy, sardines, and herring. I, I didn't hear tuna. Uh, that's, yeah, I know. I love tuna on the grill or something. And that's actually one of the highest containing mercury fishes in the world. Sorry, but salmon. <laughs> yes, yeah, salmon. And again, but, you know, you got to look where that's coming from, too. You know, you really want to get the fresh and not necessarily farm raised, but you got to check in, you know, okay, if I'm getting it from this place, where, what's it being fed? But those, those are the ones. And the reason being is worldwide, they have the lowest mercury content of all the fishes out there. And, and most of them, you'll notice uh, mackerel, anchovy, sardines, herrings are small. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of chain of eating upon eating upon eating going on. Right. Yeah. The ones that are being eaten. Yeah. Yeah. So, but from, so that's what we adhere to. And we adhere to that. Um, the bottom line reason we adhere to that is because we want to have a strong, healthy brain till the day we pass this pass on from this planet mm-hmm. because we can. And uh, I mean, that's a whole other one we can get into the cognitive decline and that. But, uh, you know, that's a biggie with brain health is metal toxins and mercuries and all those types of things. That is a massive deterrent to our brain health. And uh, so that's something we really have to pay attention to because we are seeing, again, this is one of the areas where we're seeing a massive spike worldwide in Alzheimer's, dementia, cognitive decline. And it's got a lot to do with food. Uh, there's many other factors, but it's got a lot to do with the toxins and where they're coming from, but also our food and what we've been doing for decades, what we've been putting into ourselves and those heavy metals are biggie. So that it's, it's interesting that you say worldwide, because my assumption is that it's highest in America. And I don't know if that's really true. Is it, is it, is it raising by the same levels throughout the world? Yeah, uh, it is. It is. It's really kind of what you would call first world westernized society, whatever that may be. But those who have that eating culture, shall I say, where um, we've just been accustomed to takeaways, fast foods, cans, throw in the microwave, fast cooking, you know, really empty nutrient, you know, eating of a lifestyle that just has not much nutritional value, bottom line. And so, yeah, so that's worldwide. I mean, we, we live in this beautiful country of New Zealand, and we are working with you know, our, our clients here and, of course, around the world. But, again, we see it here. I mean, there's fast food here in this country. You know, we got – I mean, I blew me away when I got here 20 years ago and I saw McDonald's, Burger King, Domino's, Pizza Hut, KFC. I'm like, what? <laughs> How did they get here? Who let them in? <laughs> uh, well, I want to – I definitely want to ask you what you and Isabel do. Um, but first, I want to ask – is it – well, was there any – I can always cut parts of this out, and I will, but um, – yeah. Uh, do you more that you want to speak on? Yeah, well, let me give you a couple other foods that heal. Okay. Uh, a real, a real biggie is fresh uh, ginger, garlic, and turmeric. Those three fresh are so they're what's called anti-inflammatory. They're anti-cancerous, anti-inflammatory. They feed the good army. Those three fresh ones: garlic, turmeric, and ginger. Get as the, much of those into your daily eating lifestyle as you can. Obviously, garlic, we have to be a little bit careful around social settings. But hey, you know, if you're not around others or if it's just, you know, your group, then everybody load up on the garlic. But those three, uh, if you can make, if you can get yourself some fresh teas with fresh ginger, fresh turmeric, chop it up and just put it in some water with maybe some some clove or a cinnamon stick, make yourself beautiful, brew yourself your own teas. I mean, drinking that stuff, it is so anti-inflammatory. If I 
if Isabel and I have a time where we might have gone out and had a couple glasses of bubbles or some extra glasses of wine and we're feeling a little, you know, that feeling in the morning and I'm a little bit bloated, a little foggy, man, I'm, I'm having turmeric and ginger and cinnamon stick and cloves and I'm making a big pot of tea and I'm drinking that for the first half of the day. And by uh, within a couple hours, boom, I'm like, yes, I'm fired up, ready to go again, you know, because it just clears out the toxins and gets us going again. So those three fresh uh, herbs are just spices are just beautiful. Get as much of those into your eating plan as you can. And then the, the bulbs, like the onion family is incredible. The onion family is so beautiful. Onions, mushrooms, uh, they are all anti-inflammatory. They're, they're beautiful. They will feed the good army. And then another one, yeah, so mushrooms, onions, kale, uh, cilantro, coriander, however you call it, what part of the world you're in. Uh, parsley, they are detoxifying. They will actually clean out uh, coriander, kale, Parsley, they will help you detoxify from uh, metals and toxins. Mm -hmm. So those are beautiful. Get all those into your eating, daily eating, and that's just going to help clean you, help raise that good army, raise it up so you can fight all the badness that's attacking you every day because it's out there. Yeah, I mean, I I started making a smoothie every day in July. And so basically all the foods you're talking about, I'm eating on it every day. Uh, And I have never felt better. Yeah. Um, Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And it's just a natural feeling of I mean I know that when you have parsley when you have vitamin C and iron your vitamin C helps you absorb the iron there's just so much to that but uh it's made it's made a huge difference and here you are talking about my favorite foods I mean I'm Italian (laughs) I you know I don't have friends that don't like yeah yeah but people can yeah people can add these things easily to their and if it is it will help your immune system it will keep your immune system strong that's what we're talking about we need that immune system to stay strong so the genes that we all have from our family tree that are within us, and I'm using myself as an example, the bad genes that I have within us, um, I want them to just lay dormant. They never get, they never are expressed. The word would be expressed. They're never expressed. I keep them suppressed and down. And that's what these types of foods do. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So has your entire family taken this on? Have your daughters? <laughs> Oh, you would have to bring that up. <laughs> no, that's funny. Uh, they know uh, they're, let's see, they're 24 and 26. They're immortal. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, they kind of do what we did, uh, like I said, probably five to eight years ago where uh, we'd be gluten-free six days a week. And then on the seventh treat day, we'd have our almond croissant and all kinds of other stuff and say, well, we're kind of gluten-free. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of in that same camp right now. However, I can tell you, that they know, they know when they, as young women, there are some times where mentally it's not feeling right, physically it's not feeling right, and they go, okay, that's it, and they clean it up, and bam, they are, I mean, it's just night and day. But then, you know, being in the 20s, you know, there's a lot of friends, a lot of peer pressure, a lot of things going on, you know, it's it's not always easy, especially at that age, to be around a group of people, because we don't don't drink beer unless we find gluten-free beer, Mm because beer is gluten. Well, I mean, I'm a beer lover. I I mean, if it was up to me, you know, and this is the thing when people come to you, they go, Oh, well, I like this or I like that. Well, yeah, me too. If it was up to me, I'd be, uh, I'd be drinking margaritas and red wine and beers every day and having pizza and tacos and, and hamburgers. You know, that's be my, that's be what I would eat every day, but I'd be dead. So, you know, for them being around friends and say, Oh, well, no, I, you know, I can't have that. I'm, you know, I don't, I want some gluten-free stuff or, Oh, I don't drink beer because I'm gluten-free or unless I find gluten-free beer or this and that, you know, they, they get the, Oh, come on type stuff, you know? So, I mean, it's, they're not quite made that shift yet all the way. Right. But, and I guess what I meant by that is they like, we have to respect where everybody is on their path. 
Yeah. And nobody, not everybody's going to end up where you are or where I am or, you know, but to add things that do improve their immune system. And, uh, you know, when somebody comes to me and says, I'm, I'm going on a diet, I say, don't go on a diet. Add good things to your life. And then when you add that, that in, you don't have room for some of that other stuff. And that's just, that's a non-diet. That's how you eat. <laughs> oh, man, you're stealing my thunder. One of the babies I was going to talk about later. No, I'm just, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's perfect. It's perfect. Exactly. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Yes. Yeah, no, we, we, we take everybody for where they're at because it's really about where is your health at now and just moving the bar. I mean, I think a mistake that happens for a lot of people is, let's say on a scale of one to 10, your health might be like a four and they're trying to get to a 10 in two weeks. Right. And so, yeah, okay, there might be a couple percent of people that can do that. For, but for most of us, we just got to go from like a two to a three, you know, over a couple of weeks or a month and then maybe to there. Like I said, with uh, Mary, who I was talking about with reversing her, her type 2 diabetes and pre-diabetes. Well, that was a 12-month period. Mm-hmm. Could she have done it quicker? Yes, but it took her three months. I mean, she she got frustrated in the first two months because it wasn't happening quick enough. And But when we were able to help her to understand that once you get this going, it's going to go very quickly. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take some time to change some habits, get some movement. So we just kept on going. And from that's what all of us really need to do is wherever our health level's at, let's just look to take it to the next step. And then if we want to go to the next step and the next step, we are not where we want to be. We got, you know, we, you know, we're looking to be 120 years young. So we've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> so what do you, what would you recommend to somebody who's just starting this and, you know, loves a Big Mac every so often or whatever, drinks soda, the stuff that, yeah. what, what do you recommend? Just a very simple thing for a beginner. Yeah. Well, here's, here's a tip that uh, I've given to people and I used to think it was simple, but yet I realized it was big. And because the food industry has made it so easy for us to eat unhealthy. Everything's quick. It's easy. And, you know, we eat with the so-called frankenfoods and all that kind of stuff. So what I recommend people to do is make sure in your refrigerator you have three bowls always ready to go. And in those three bowls is one is a bowl of fresh salad greens. Always have a bowl of fresh salad greens. In the second bowl or a platter, have fresh vegetables whether it's just a big bowl of roughly chopped up vegetables or if you have a platter of vegetables chopped up into different sizes, whatever, but uh, a platter, a bowl of vegetables. And the third one is your bowl of whatever protein you're doing, whether you're doing tofu or if you're a vegan and you do different, whatever those proteins you want to be using, but whatever your protein of preference is, have it ready to go. You could poach some chicken, have some chicken already pre-cooked. You might have hard boiled eggs. Uh, might be your salmon that's already poached or, you know, sauteed, ready to go. But have three bowls ready to go of, of salad, vegetables, and your protein. The reason being, I'm just like everybody else. If I'm really hungry and let's say blood sugar is low and I'm hungry and it's been busy and I'm on the go and I'm on the run, what do we all do when we get home? Ah, grab. Right. We're going to grab for the quick and the easy. Other oh, kids are hungry. You're, you know, my wife's hungry. My husband's hungry. My friend's hungry. Oh, we're all hungry. Let's just grab. So if we've got that stuff there, we can quickly, within five to 10 minutes, put together a meal. We've got the greens. You know, obviously have some extra virgin olive oil sitting around uh, or uh, have fresh citrus, lemons, oranges, limes, or even different types of vinegars or make your own salad dressing, have it ready to go. But, you know, you could do a quick stir fry. You could do a quick saute. You could make a quick soup or you could just put some stuff together in a quick salad. But the key is if you come home and you're hungry and you've got those ready to go, uh, this came to me when I talked to Mary about that, when she was putting together her healthy eating lifestyle was, she said to me, Oh my gosh, Chef Michael, that just made such a difference to my family because we would just come home and grab anything. And now that I've got those bowls in my fridge, 
the kids come home and they can just grab those things and put together a salad or some food or something and then they eat right away and so that's first thing i would do is have those three bowls in your refrigerator ready to go so that when you're hungry you don't think oh well, maybe i'll just call the phone oh, oh let's just run out and get some takeaways let's run out and get some fast food yeah i was just going to say you know you're on your way home from something you're very hungry and then you think oh gosh i have to chop the vegetables i have to do this let me yeah. just have dinner and bring it home and then you're dealing with the takeout that you may not you yeah. know, necessarily even want to eat but you're so hungry and so tired so it would probably cut down on that also yeah and you can do that twice a week yeah just do it twice a week i mean that's you know if you need to do it three times a week but you know you can spend an hour twice a week have those bowls in the refrigerator ready to go but you know and maybe three times depending on the size of your family and that that helps what i find it helps people so much same thing in your car because here's another one if we're not prepared and we don't have what i call our emergency kit in our car we're going to pull over to the seven. We don't have 7-Elevens here, but, you know, if we pull over into a 7-Eleven, a convenience store, a petrol station, a gas station, we're just going to grab stuff. But always have in your glove compartment uh, a little bag of nuts, raw nuts. You might even put an apple in there. Uh, just have something where it's like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm going to stop. Now, you've got it there. Have your water bottle in the car and have your nut bag and, and maybe an apple or some grapes or something like that in your car that you take along. But always, always have an emergency kit in your car for eating purposes. That'll save you. I want to ask uh, what you think of sweet potatoes. Uh, yeah, uh, we call them Kumra here, sweet potatoes there. Yeah, they're, they're good. Um, they're what's called medium GI. So again, what I, what I tend to do, because yeah, Kumra are good. They've got great fiber, or, uh, sweet potatoes. They've got great fiber. They're, they're good. What I like to do is when I'm having something like that, that I know it's got a kind of a medium sugar content to it, it's like, I will blend it with something else. I might do like a kumara and cauliflower mash, or I might, I might blend the sweet, the yams with some other vegetables. So what that does is it doesn't give such a big hit of the sugar content to it. So it's kind of knowing that um, I want to blend that with other things. So I don't get so much of, of one thing. Okay. Because one of my tricks to life is uh, baking some small sweet potatoes. And then if I hit that hunger zone, I can just eat it cold from the fridge. But I think what I'll do is I'll get the cauliflower too and then have both. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see how that works. But um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly better than other things that are in the cupboard sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Great. Um, and, and for those people who are really already into the lifestyle of eating that you, you're describing, what do you recommend would be a next level for any surprise next level things? Yeah, yeah. So for next level, and this is something you talked about, is the whole concept of diets. So I want to talk about diets versus a balanced macronutrient, healthy eating lifestyle. So the original, I don't know if you, you might already know this, because man, it sounds like you've been studying this and working on this for decades, but this is just new, new for me over the last 10 years is the original Greek and Latin term for diet was diate, D-I-A-T-A. And what that meant was way of living. So the original form of the word diet that we currently use was a way of living. It wasn't just um, you know, the high fat, low carb diet or keto diet or this diet or that diet. It was a way of living. It was a lifestyle. And so what I find people doing is they, you know, you hear, we, we hear this term, oh, you need to be on the keto diet or you need to be on the whatever diet or this diet or that diet. That all sounds great because it's working for somebody and, and they're having amazing results. But we are we, we are who we are. So we need to personalize and I want, I call it a healthy lifestyle eating plan because um, I don't want to see people just do something for a month, two months, three months, six months, even a year. This is, you want to address 
what your goals are for your life over your lifetime. So you need to set up a healthy eating lifestyle plan. And that's where then what you do is you set up a balance of, of macronutrients. And macronutrients are your proteins, your carbohydrates, and your fats. And because most of these diets have those out of balance. And that's why they will work. They will work for short term. But for long term, they're not really healthy because there's an out of balance with those macronutrients. So what you need, number one is for the advanced type person, and, and really for all of us, is say, okay, what's my goal? Am I looking to reverse something? Am I looking to prevent something? Am I, do I have certain genes that I want to make sure aren't turned on? Um, where, what's my goal? What's my health goal for my life? And then look at, okay, then what is going to work for me personally? And then we all need a mentor. You, you can say coach, you can say mentor. Isabel and I have coaches, we have mentors. Uh, we understand now that that is so important. We all need to be accountable for our health and, and, and have a mentor and a coach who says, okay, where are we at? How's it going? You know, how's this happening? Is this working? Because when it's us, we have a hard time of kind of stopping and looking and going, I've been doing this for so long, actually, it's not working. Mm-hmm. We have a hard time doing that for ourselves. So when we have somebody working with us, they go, whoa, whoa wait, what's going on here? And then we can tweak it, we can work it, we can adapt it. I mean, it doesn't need mean they have to be with you every day. But it's somebody you might check in with every six months or every three months or once a year to say, where are we at? How's this working? Is this achieving the goals? And so diets, as you said earlier, do they work? Well, it depends what your goal. I mean, if your goal is to lose a whole bunch of weight before you go to your friend's wedding because you want to look good in the dress or the suit, well, okay, yeah, then it can work. But if you're looking to have a healthy long-term life and make sure your immune system's strong and suppress the bad genes and keep all the toxins out, well, then no, it's not going to work. Right. So that's that's the difference. That's what you want to be looking at. Hello, Chef Michael here. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review.